The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. When I was in seminary for two years, I worked as an on-call chaplain at a hospital in Skokie, Illinois. We lived a couple of miles north of the hospital in Glenview. I was one of two seminarians who was there. There was a regular chaplain. It was a regional hospital about the size of, uh, of Emerson. It was predominantly Jewish population, I'd say 80, 85 percent. And it was served by all Protestant chaplains. <laughs> it was kind of a strange arrangement, but actually it was a seminary in and of itself for me. Uh, those two years, I learned so much about myself, and I think I also learned about prayer. Uh, we would do rounds after school, and then on the weekend, we would take turns, the other seminarian and I. And then uh, we were also, of course, on call at night if something came up. I remember one evening I was uh, making my rounds after, after school, And I was going through one of the corridors at the hospital, and there was a man standing outside a hospital room. 
and he was uh, sobbing. And I walked up to him and I engaged in a conversation as best we could, found out that he had just learned that his mother, who was in the room, was going to die. And we, he talked with me about that as best he could. And then, as I often would do, I asked if it would be all right if we prayed together. Now, what usually happens when I ask that is that I pray for that person and for the one and the, you know, their loved one. In this case, he immediately began to pray a child's bedtime prayer. And I was stunned by it. I, I was so puzzled. Why that prayer? And I, of course, cannot know what it meant to him. But I've often thought perhaps it was the only prayer he had. And then again, perhaps it was because that prayer connected him to the loving memory of a mother who would put him to bed and help him with his bedtime prayer. Well, I was very puzzled by that circumstance, and it caused me at that time to think about my own prayer life and what prayer meant to me. And I think for many of us, uh, prayer is kind of a mystery. Uh, We know the bits of it that we can connect with, but there are so many aspects of it that are beyond our knowledge, beyond our understanding. We hear in this gospel about Jesus uh, being with his disciples. He's off praying. And when he's finished, one of them asks him, will you teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray? Now, apparently it was uh, customary for rabbis to teach their followers about prayer and to offer them a prayer that they might use. And perhaps that would be an outline that they could use in their own prayer. Or maybe they would acquire that prayer as something that they would repeat when they entered into prayer. And it's also, I think, important for us to realize that, especially in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is, uh, his whole life and ministry is enveloped in prayer. From the very beginning of his ministry until the end of, of that earthly ministry on the cross. Jesus' life was surrounded and encompassed and grounded in prayer. So Jesus proceeds to uh, offer the disciples a very simple outline of prayer. Now, this particular uh, version of the Lord's Prayer sounds a little strange to us because it's, it's a bit unlike what we pray. So when you get a chance, you might uh, look for the parallel in Matthew. And you'll find there's something more familiar to you. But this is wonderful in its simplicity, I think. So I'm going to go through it rather quickly and just highlight some things that that strike me about it. Jesus begins by addressing God in a very familiar way as a parent. I think that, at least for me, it's really important for me to address God in a very familiar way. And I don't want to get into all of the complexity of, uh, of language, and especially inclusive language, because there's so much to be learned on both sides. Inclusive language is so important for us uh, as a church to recognize that God can be understood as a female presence as well as a male presence. I get a little bit uncomfortable with modal language, God creator, for example, because I can't really connect to that. But I can certainly pray our father, our mother, 
because that's personal. There's also, I think it's important for us to uh, recall that at the time, if a, if a father acknowledged a child as his son or daughter, that child was immediately a part of the family, recognized as part of the family, entitled to everything good that would accrue to that child as being a part of it, including inheritance. And so when we pray our father, we are claiming to be a part of the household of God. And we're claiming the inheritance that comes with that as our elder brother Jesus led the way for us. And then he goes on to say, hallowed be your name. We tend to, I think, uh, not recognize the importance of name in the ancient world. A name encompassed the whole person of what was being named or who was being named. And, you know, in the Jewish tradition, to say the holy name of God is something that no one would do because that name is so holy. And I think that that phrase that Jesus used, hallowed be thy name, comes out of that understanding of name. It's so important and God is so holy, so beyond what we are. Our bishop, uh, Tom Shaw, often begins his prayer with this phrase, we praise you and we bless you. And I thought as I was uh, preparing this sermon and recalling those words of his, that they speak very clearly to the idea that if we could live into these petitions that come in the Lord's Prayer, we would be praising God with our life and we would be a blessing to God in the way we live. Jesus then uh, says, your kingdom come. And in a sense, this whole idea of being a part of God's household and being engaged with a re- in a relationship with God in some way beyond our understanding brings about the kingdom in our lives. And hopefully, from our lives, brings about the kingdom in the world around us. But then he prays to give us our daily bread. I think sometimes we uh, take for granted the reality that God is providing for our needs day in and day out. And of course, that prayer for daily bread also connects us back to the uh, to the provision of manna for the children of Israel when they were in the uh, in the Exodus and that they had what they needed on a daily basis in order to survive. We think about creation and all that God has given to us that makes it possible for us to have our needs met on a daily basis. And so Jesus says to his disciples, pray for your daily bread, for your daily needs. And then he says, be bold, ask for forgiveness. But base that request for forgiveness on the fact that you've reviewed your own relationships, your own life. Those who have perhaps sinned against you and forgive them. You know, it only makes sense. Why would we ask God to forgive us if we could not forgive those who have sinned against us, who have offended us? And I know that for some, the offense has been so deep that it's really, really hard. And I believe that God can understand that. I think we can offer those instances to God and say, I try, I try. 
but this is too hard. And I believe God still will hear our prayer for our own forgiveness. And finally, we, we pray that we may be uh, not brought to the time of trial. And for me, the, uh, the translation that I prefer of that is in the more modern version of the Lord's Prayer, save us from the time of trial. It says it, says it so succinctly and so clearly. It's not just about the temptations that we have in this life, and we all have them, and, they, and we encounter them every day. But it's also about the trials of this life. The trials we experience in our relationships, in our work, the health issues that we encounter. And we pray that God will somehow save us from those trials. Now, the reality is that we will have to go through some of those trials. And this, again, I think, is part of the mystery of prayer. One of the troubling aspects that I, I didn't want to preach about, and probably many preachers this morning are avoiding as well, is that section where it says, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. And we've all lived the reality that it didn't work that way. And that, too, is a part of the mystery of prayer. I think that the answer to that is not found in our, our working out some kind of doctrine about how all that happens with a doctrine of God being all-powerful, able to do anything God wants to do, but in our practical theology, in the way that we live our life and what we experience of life every day, I think we realize that sometimes the only answer to that prayer is in God being with us through it and not avoiding it. And that's the prayer that Jesus offers the disciples. It is short, very succinct. It's not particularly poetic as we get it in Luke. And it's profound in what it means for our daily life. And then Jesus goes on to offer two very brief parables that uh, give some insight into the character of God. And they're, they're really kind of funny if you can stand back and look at them, if as this is being a description of God, this guy that won't get out of bed in order to help his friend. But because the friend is so persistent, he finally gets up grudgingly. That's God. What a mystery. And then he says that it's like a parent. Would a parent trick a child and give a child something bad when the child's asking for something good? But then Jesus does something that's really, I think, uh, insight into, into something about prayer that we often miss. Jesus says, how much more will the, Father, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And it's as though Jesus is saying, you're asking for this and you're asking for this and you're asking for this. The gift that God has for you is God's self in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's not all those trinkets, those little things that are really pretty insignificant. But God has a profound gift for you. The gift that will get you through those trials. The gift that will help you to forgive. The gift that will be with you in the most difficult times of your life. Well, as I was uh, thinking and praying about this sermon, once again, I found myself uh, looking at my own prayer life and thinking about it. And uh, it's I think it's important for you to know that clergy are no different from anyone else. 
we struggle with our prayer life. And sometimes I think we feel we don't pray enough or we don't pray with the right words or we don't have the right spirit as we enter into prayer. And I think for many people, there's a sense that unless they get the words right, unless they they get it all just right, God won't hear. God won't answer. And then, tragically, there are those who believe that if I could have only prayed better, my loved one would still be with me. I think we live with these uh, this insecurity around prayer. But it strikes me that in Jesus' teaching about prayer, he's asking us to remember that it is a relationship and that the prayer itself comes out of that relationship. Our prayer is grounded in that relationship. And so it is in our day to day walking with God that our prayer finds life and our prayer is heard. And so from time to time, I think it's really important for us to just stop for a moment and ask ourselves, what does my prayer say about me? What am I asking for? What does my prayer say about how I envision God? What do I really believe about God? What prayers are important to me and comfort me in the darkest hour? Perhaps it's that child's bedtime prayer. I know that uh, some of you at least are familiar with Sarah Miles. Uh, She wrote this wonderful book, Take This Bread, which is an incredible story of her conversion uh, to the Christian faith. And recently she wrote a beautiful meditation on the Trinity. And in that, she says that the most important word in the Bible is with. And she quotes uh, John's gospel. The word was with God. And then from Proverbs, she writes, when God fixed the foundation of the earth, I was there ever at play in God's presence, delighting to be with the children of humanity. And then she goes on to write about that word as in the context of prayer. And she writes, God's just with us. God sticks with us, accompanies us, delights in us, plays with us, suffers and abides with us in trouble and in doubt. When everything goes perfectly and when things fall apart, God is with us. May your prayer and may your relationship with God deepen. And may you grow in your understanding of the reality that God is with you. God is with you today, tomorrow, all the days of your life and through all eternity. And for that, we give God thanks and praise. Amen. Amen.